If you're at home, we welcome you as well. So can we just give a hand clap for those who are watching at home, online, in their cars, who knows? Maybe they're at work and they'll watch this through the week and, uh, and enjoy and feel the same presence that we feel here uh, in person. Um, but man, I'm just so thankful and honored to be here, honored for each of you to be here. And um, man, whether this is your first time, whether you only come here occasionally, whether you're here with your family because they said they're not going to feed you until you come to church first. We love you, we welcome you, and uh, we do, we want to invite you back. Like, I, I just challenge you, at the end of service, I want to challenge you that if you want to see some difference in your life, if, if maybe you don't, you're not a church regular or whatever, the Lord loves you so much. He adores you. He is in love with you. He is, he is so affectionate towards you. And I heard somebody say if he had a refrigerator, which he probably does, like massive ones, I don't know. But if he did, your picture would be on it, right? Your picture's in his wallet kind of deal. He loves you. So, man, we, we just want to invite you back. And like Nicole said, the info bar is open. Uh, we've got forms on iPads. If you want to figure out how to connect, how to get more involved, how to serve, uh, there's ways. If you have questions, just go out there. Um, but we had this wonderful Good Friday service. And, um, man, I just... It was so sweet. It was so fragrant for the Lord, and it was intimate. And we did communion, and we actually did foot washing, and we tried to make it as, as um, not weird as possible. <laughs> but it was really beautiful. I grew up in a church where we would have foot washing service, and the men would go to one room, the women to another, and, and I'd end up like as a kid with like these old men washing feet. I'm like, man, this is so traumatic, right? <laughs> So we just bless each other's feet, and we do it as families, and then uh, we allow it to be appropriate if, if you're not with family. And so it's just a really sweet thing. And at the end, my family and I, we chose to fully wash our feet and, like, feet in the tub, socks off, all that. And uh, my daughter, after we were all done, Hadassah, she's six, she took her baby doll, and she washed her baby doll's feet. It was so sweet. And it just reminded me, like, kids, people are watching you kids, not only kids, but people around you are watching you, and they're emulating what, what, who you are, and especially if your parents or you have impact on lives around you, which you all do, whether you know it or not, you have an impact on those around you, and you're a leader whether you want to think that or not, and especially as churchgoers, like people are looking to us, people are looking like, like the, how are they going to handle this situation, what are they going to do, and just to watch my daughter emulate what we had done and just wash her little baby doll's feet, and we just thought that was the cutest thing, but it was just amazing, so we're going to do that every year, but this coming Friday, there's a couple things this week that Jason mentioned, but this coming Friday, we're going to have worship from 6.30 to 8 called the altar, so just join us, it's going to be awesome. Christmas, right, is when God gave us the gift, but Easter is when the gift gets unwrapped. Jesus was resurrected. He conquered death, hell, and the grave, and the cross was the prize. It was the price, right? But the resurrection, that's our prize, and we're so excited to celebrate his, not just his death, which, just so you know, in order for there to be a resurrection, there had to be a death. And, and, and I know we're here today to celebrate a, a living God, a resurrected God, and that is the greatest part of this story. But he also died on a cross for us and paid a price. And in order for there to be a resurrection, there had to be a death. And what's crazy is a God who manifested himself on the earth in flesh died and paid a penance that he didn't deserve. That is absolutely radical love. That is, that is abundant, extravagant grace that he paid a price for you and I to have eternal life and us to be totally forgiven. And I don't know about you, but when I'm sitting there worshiping, my worship's deep because my forgiveness was deep. 
My praise is extravagant because my story in him is extravagant. Much was forgiven in me. I had this crazy story that I was an atheist and I was suicidal and I was a drunk and all of these things and a horrible husband, a horrible man, but God. There was an unsuddenly moment in my life where something was resurrected in me and he revealed his real nature to me and made himself real and living in me. And my prayer coming into today whether you're in person or online, is that you feel and you experience that same good God that I've got to experience in my journey. He is good. He's loving. He's a good father. Some of us may not have had good fathers. I had a good father. I still do. He's awesome, right? But some of us come from different backgrounds, different things, and some of us may have chosen, made bad choices. And let me just tell you this. It doesn't matter what you've done or how long you've been there. God's extravagant love forgives us all. And he unites us all. And that's one of the things the cross did is it united us all and it makes us all level and equal and we're all his sons and daughters whether we know it yet or not. I didn't know that until I was in my mid to late 20s. I was three years into our marriage. We were gonna get divorced and all of these things and in my life, my life was a wreck because I didn't know Jesus. And suddenly, I believe there's a moment today because it says that today is the day of salvation. There's this and suddenly moment that's available to all of us today, no matter our walk, whether we don't know Jesus yet, whether we're brand new Christians, or whether we've been walking with him for a while. I believe there's a refreshing here that we can walk out of these doors with more hope than we came in. That we don't have to walk out depressed anymore. I was depressed and suicidal. I don't have to be that man anymore. He died. I don't have to be angry or mad or or just mad at everything or everyone ever again because that man died. Now, every once in a while, I gotta remind that man he's dead. Like this morning, like some things weren't working out, and I had to, like Nicole had to help me remind that man that he's dead, all right? When you're a pastor, like there's all this stuff going on, like you worry about the little details, like it really doesn't matter, and we start worshiping, it's like boom, that's why we're here. We're here to worship a living God, we're here because he loves us. You made it here this day because somebody loved you and invited you here, or Jesus found you and brought you here today. That's why you're, you're not here just to make your mama happy, you're not here just to, to do a pre, pre-lunch uh, service. You're here because you had a divine appointment for today to hear what the Lord had for you today, whether it's through worship, whether it's through a dance or this message or communion at the end. Like you're here today or you're watching today or you're, you're watching later in the week because you have this divine appointment for God to it, just allow you to encounter his extravagant love. And it was proven on the cross, and it was proven through the resurrection that he conquered death, hell, and the grave. We have this God that we don't, there's no tomb to visit that has a dead body in it. There's no grave site. There's no memorial. Like, he is alive, and he's well. And let me just say, the tomb might be empty, but his church isn't. Our lives aren't empty because he makes us full. His bride is not empty. The tomb's empty, but he makes us full in him. Now, how about I do an intro to this sermon? Corey was preaching the other week and a few weeks ago if you missed it man how powerful it was called the altar and the table just this incredible thing about building altars for the Lord and this altar that he allows us to come to and then tables so I was pressing in and and leaning in coming into holy week and and I had this table thing on my mind had like three outlines of messages for today and uh, I was like pitching them to Nicole like what do you think about this what about this he's like that's the one And as we began to enter into Holy Week, it was confirmed in a few ways. And I just want to talk about the table a little bit. And I began to just really 
just soak and meditate on Luke 22, where Jesus is with the disciples, and he's having the Last Supper, and then the foot washing, and coming into Good Friday service, and just, just the beauty of that, the beauty of a king who came in the way of a little baby in a manger, the way of a king who, who, who died a gruesome death on a cross for us, the way of a king to lower himself and wash his disciples' feet, the way of a king to say, I came to serve, not be served. The way of a king that says, I came to die for you. I came with a purpose. That's a, a king came in that way. So I was leaning into this message, and, and I just want to kind of go from the past, present, and future. And, and I want to take you through this journey through Scripture. So is it okay if we go just a little deep today? I'll try to catch anybody up who doesn't have scriptural reference or history or, or tons of biblical knowledge. You, you'll still hang with us. But I want to start in 1 Samuel and I want to I just talk about a, a few things first before we get there. Moses was given this, this basically, this download from heaven and this conviction to build the tabernacle. So they built this tabernacle. And the first place I want to start is in the Old Testament, it talks about tables. And a few of them that are mentioned is one particular that I want to focus on today. And this is in Leviticus 24 and Exodus 25, and then also chapters 35. You can research that if you want your note takers. You can write those down. But here's the deal. There was this, this tabernacle, this temple, and it was, it was a portable tent in essence, and, and they were building this, and it's this beautiful thing of basically, basically wanting to host a presence, having a, a set-apart place to worship the Lord and offer incense of worship and sacrifices. One of the things in there was the table of showbread. And literally, the showbread would actually be another name for, for uh, his presence. So there was this table that, that hosted his presence. Because how many know that Jesus represents the bread, the bread of life? He is the bread, right? At, when we do communion later, we're going to talk about He says, this, this bread as you break, it's my body broken for you. It's me, right? The wine when you take it, it's the blood. Well, in the tabernacle, there was this table of showbread. And it's interesting that it was actually in a holy place that only the priests could go. Now, I'm going to get somewhere through this message, but there's this thing that where we come into church or we hear about Christianity and sometimes, or as we enter our walk into, into a Jesus walk, right, we begin to think we're not good enough. Has anybody else ever thought that? Or I'm not worthy, or, or I'm not worthy to serve, or, I'm not worthy to even talk or tell my story. Let me just remind you, you are. I'm going to get there. Now, this table of showbread, actually only Aaron and the priest would go to there, and it was fresh bread that was changed out every week. How many know that we can't live on yesterday's bread? Even fresh manna fell from the sky daily for the Israelites as they were coming out of Egypt and slavery into a promised land into their calling. Well, you can't live on yesterday's encounter, yesterday's thing. It's a fresh encounter daily that we get to walk in with the Lord. It's beautiful. So it's this thing where that bread was switched out weekly, but only the priest could go there. We get to another section in 1 Samuel 16, and I, and I want to I just paint the picture here. This is where they're going to Jesse's house. And Samuel's going there to find the next king, and the Lord commissions him to go to Jesse's house and says, just do what I tell you, and there's going to be a king there. He's going to be the next king. He says, quit grieving about Saul. Are you going to do what I've told you to do? So we get to 1 Samuel 16, and I'm just going to pick a few scriptures, but we're going to be chapters one or verses 1 through 23 if you want to follow later. In verse 2, it goes on and then it mentions, And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice the Lord, and invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me him who I declare to you. He's saying, Listen, go to Jesse's house, bring, bring this beef, and have a barbecue. Anybody, anybody having a barbecue today? I can't wait. 
I, I honestly can't. I'm looking forward to Kim Powell's peanut butter pie and some good ham and some good fixings, some casseroles. I'm, I'm excited. So they're saying, now go to Jesse's house. Samuel, go to Jesse's house. Bring this heifer. Now he's scared. He's like, well, what if, what if they don't receive me? He's like, just tell them you've come to give a sacrifice to the Lord. So when they make a sacrifice, they would typically eat the meat. So they're having a barbecue. And all of a sudden, we get to the story, and, and, and then we get to this place. He's like, okay, is it him? And some of the sons are there, and, and they let a few pass by, and they're like, it, the Lord's still not saying it, which one. Then we get down to verse 5. It says, peaceably, this is what Samuel says, I have come to sacrifice the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to this barbecue. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance. Now some of us, we don't feel worthy. We feel God's looking for something. Listen, I heard Joyce Meyer say one time, You don't have to be clean to take a bath, so you don't have to be perfect to come to Jesus. And he says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or the height or his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. How many are thankful that God sees you different than the people around you? God sees me different than the people from my past who I used to be, right? I used to be a really rough, nasty, hateful man. And people might still see me that way, but God sees me different. And he goes on and he says, For the Lord sees not as man sees, but man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. We move on to verse 11. So then they, a son comes in. Is it him? Nope. A few more come in. Is it them? Nope. And then we get to this part in verse 11. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all of your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's just keeping the sheep. Now that was the lowest of jobs in the household. In the, in the, on the ranch, that was like anybody could do that. That was just like, let's just pass that off. It's boring. It's minuscule, right? And that David was out there. So basically, he was not invited to the barbecue. He was not invited to the table. Now again, we have the tabernacle that only the priest can go, and now we have this table where the king is to be found, and God's saying, don't look at the outward appearance, look at the heart. Look at things, look at, look at the things. Who has a heart for me? David became to be known as the man after God's own heart because he knew how to worship, he knew how to honor. So we get to this place, and it says, there remains the youngest, but he's tending the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. We're not going to sit at the table until David comes. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, and he had beautiful eyes and was handsome. He, the Lord, said, Arise, anoint him, for it is he. And it says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now, now here's, here's the cool thing is, David wasn't even at the table, but God knows who belongs at the table. And he's inviting us all to this table, right? And we're, we're going to get there in a moment, make this connection. But some of us, we don't even feel we're at the table. We don't feel we belong at the table. That's orphan thinking. You belong at this table. You belong at the Lord's table. You belong at the eternal table of God to feast on him. Here's the other thing. Some of us think, well, we need to earn it, and we need to, we need to tidy up things, and we need to cook and serve the meal, and then maybe we'll earn a place at the table. That's slave thinking. Let me just tell you, you're a son. You're a daughter of the Most High King. Your dad is a king of kings and a lord of lords, and he is Alpha and Omega. He's beginning and the end, and he came for us and to welcome us into this eternal family. Let me fast forward to the future. 
Now this is Revelation 19.9. This is the end of the book. And how many have, have, have known or heard about the end of the book? We win. <laughs> regardless of what's going on in the world, regardless of what's going on in a pandemic or in our nation or in our politics, Jesus' people win. Because Jesus wins. Revelation 19.9 says this, And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, there are true, Those are true words of God. There is a supper that's being planned that is in heaven right now. And we are invited to that eternal supper. And I don't know about you, but I've been to some pretty good buffets. I've been to some pretty good barbecues. I used to be, still am at heart, a foodie, okay? I used to plan all of my travel around where I could eat. Anybody else with me on that? I would go hours out of my way going on missions trips just to find one barbecue place that I heard was good. How many have traveled with Aaron and experienced this? I will travel hours for the best ice cream. One time I took my daughter, Chloe. We went all around the entire state of Ohio to find the best cinnamon roll. It's in Amish country. <laughs> just going to tell you that. Matter of fact, the top three are in Amish country. We ate about 15 cinnamon rolls that day. It was amazing, wasn't it, Chloe? We got to the end, and we're just taking, like, little bites. We're just like, not it. Move on. Imagine the Lord's Supper. Imagine the Lord's eternal table in heaven and what that feast looks like. And literally, we are not hungry. We are not thirsty. We just get to worship and feast off of him, and he alone is enough. What if we lived our lives like that? Like, he alone is enough. Let me, let me reference this other part of the future here. It's Ezekiel 40, 38 through 43. I'm only going to reference it. But Ezekiel 40 is actually referencing Revelations chapters 21 and 22. And it's talking about the eight tables leading to the inner sanctuary of the tabernacle. Talking about these eight tables that lead, and they're in the throne room, right? So these eight tables, and it's amazing to me that eight is the number that means resurrection, the number eight means resurrection. It means new life. It's, it's this amazing thing that we are invited to this eternal table called the resurrection, right? We get to be resurrected with him in Christ. As he was resurrected, there's this eternal banquet, this supper, this, this where the bride and the groom unite, and we have this feast, and we get to feast, and the feast looks like worship. It's amazing. All these angels and the 24 elders and the living creatures and us, we get to come to the fullness who Christ called us to be in that moment, and we get to, for eternity, worship and feast on him and burn out Lamborghinis in streets of gold. Everybody say, yes! I know there might be some American muscle heads in here. That's fine. I like some myself, but there's this beautiful thing that we get to this invitation. Now, let me take you to Luke 22. 22, 14 through 23. I actually want to read this. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table... And the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He's invited the disciples to this table. And it's the last supper. It's the Passover meal. And here's what he's saying. He says, for I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled at the kingdom of God. Now listen, I'm going to have this last meal with you. And I'm not going to eat it again with you until heaven. I'm not going to eat this again with you until I return again. It says, and then he took the cup, and when he gave thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. 
Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another which of them it could be that was going to do this. I just found this really interesting that Jesus at, the, at, this, at this table is dining with somebody that's going to betray him, somebody that's going to deny him. But yet he's dining with them. He's breaking bread with them. They're still welcome at his table. That hit me this week. And then I connected this back to the Old Testament and David in the Psalm of 23 in the 23rd Psalm, he begins to write about this. And now thinking of this, now this is David likely as an adult writing this psalm, but yet he was one that was left out of the table. And here's what it says in Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me into the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, verse 5 is where I want to focus just for a moment. You prepare a table before me in what? The presence of my enemy. Now, David is writing. Now, David was left out of the table. He didn't belong. They thought, oh, he's just a little runt. He's just the youngest of the family. He's no good, right? But now he's writing. He's like, hey, but I know God has prepared a table before me. And even in the presence of my enemy, as though he did. Now, now Jesus hadn't come yet. And now Jesus is dining with who could be speculated as his enemy. Judas betrayed him for money. For a little bit of money. That's all it took. And then we go on. It says, you anoint my head with oil. Now, he was anointed with oil in the picture that I, that I explained from 1 Samuel earlier. But he's saying, that oil wasn't from Samuel. That oil was from you. And he goes on to say, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Listen, Jesus himself was rejected so that we can be accepted. And let me just know that that foundation, that nobody can ever reject you when you know the king of kings accepts you. Now this is this beautiful thing, and, but yet Jesus didn't stop there. So let me move on to the, to the best news, the resurrection. This is beautiful. So let let me just say this, that Jesus is the bread, right? The cross was the table that bridges us all together and to the eternal family. But let me just tell you what, the resurrection is the life. We, We weren't called just to sit and reside at a table. Even Jesus had to move on, but then he continues to invite people to his table. So we're going to move on to this because there's something about the resurrection that's powerful. Listen, Jesus didn't merely die on a cross so that you can make it into heaven. He died on a cross so heaven can also make it into you. We have purpose. So this resurrection becomes this purpose that we, listen, if it was, if the apex of our calling was salvation, then we'd have body bags in the churches ready as people gave their hearts to Jesus, repented, and all of a sudden that was it. it. It didn't stop there. Jesus isn't still on a cross. It wasn't just for the forgiveness of sins. It was also for eternal life and life abundantly. John 10.10 says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. How many felt that a little bit in 2020 and beyond? Felt some theft. Listen, he became the propitiation and the justice for our sins, and he is loving and just. He's a good God. 
So the resurrection becomes this beautiful story of empowerment. Let me, let me share one, one story here, and then we're going to get on to purpose here. Matthew 28, we'll, we'll get to in a moment, but we, were, we had built the church here. And um, those of you who don't know, and many of you who are in, uh, in attendance and part of Upper Room now, weren't part of the building process. And we laid every stone by hand ourselves in the front and all around the building. Every one of these lights, this stage was built by our hands. And we did everything in this room here. Um, and our builder helped do the exterior and gave us this room blank. And tons of us men would spend tireless hours here. Kurt Lamb and Matt and Heath and so many, 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 many more. And John Reed, man, we'd be out there laying stone. It'd be cold. And we're like, hopefully this mortar sticks. Hopefully it doesn't freeze tonight. We'd be doing our best to make this thing happen because we ran into some financial things and we just had to make some cuts and do things ourselves. So, but, so it was hard. I was working 40 hours a week at a regular job. We had had our third baby. Our mom had just passed away and they were the current pastors of the church. And yet now all of a sudden I'm working 20 to 40 more hours just on the building project. Sometimes till three, two, three, four in the morning, all weekends. After Sunday church, we're still working at it. And so afterwards, we said, after the church was done, we moved in. We had Easter here. And uh, we said, let's go take our girls, because I hadn't been home in six months. So <laughs> felt like that. So we're going to take our girls to Indianapolis. We're going to spoil them. We're going to show them what daughters of the king they are. And let's have a royal weekend. That's what we did. So we went to like a Marriott or a Hilton or something did a carriage ride and the horse in downtown Indianapolis. It was awesome, right? We're like, we're going to show them the royalty they are in Christ and hopefully the royalty they are on the earth that a man needs to treat them like this. Unlike their dad who gets McDonald's from all the time, they better get a better man than that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's fine occasionally, all right? So, but anyway, so we're at the Eagle's Nest in Indianapolis. It's this nice restaurant. It rotates through. You can see the city. And we're like, we're there, right? And we've got a da three daughters there. Hadassah wasn't born yet. I think Chloe was roughly, what, maybe four or five-ish. Okay, so then we have maybe a two-year-old and maybe a one-year-old, somewhere around those age ranges. And Evelyn, she's in a high chair, and, all like, they're giving us glass plates. We're like, oh, they give her one. On the floor it goes. Everybody's looking at us. They're all crying. They're hungry. And we're, like, dropping a big dime on this meal, right? And we're like, oh, this is miserable. Then all of a sudden, she gets mashed potatoes. It's like, oh, glory to Jesus for mashed potatoes. And she's eating those mashed potatoes, and she's like. And all of a sudden, we look over, and she's forehead down in the mashed potatoes, <laughs> sleeping. She fell asleep in the mashed potatoes. We're like, really? And then they're all fighting. It was this funny thing that now we look back, and it's this amazing dinner table story that we share and we laugh about. It's this thing, but, but here's the deal. We can't fall asleep at the table. We weren't meant, we weren't meant to stay there. Jesus reclined. He's having this intimate moment with the disciples. He says, I'm going to the cross, but I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to rise again, and I'm going to join you in heaven. We're going to do this again in heaven. And that's where it is. And so before he left, though, he reappears in Matthew 28. I want to go there, 16 through 20. And I am closing. First closing. If you haven't been here much, I do an average of three to five. So first closing. Only 40 more minutes, guys. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now Jesus just was crucified brutally for us, for them. He was resurrected and he appears. And before they were commissioned to do anything, they dropped down and they worshipped him. 
many of us, we want to preach here, but are we worshiping him? What's our life like? Like God isn't judging the outward appearance of a Sunday, Sunday service. He's judging the heart, right? We just read that. So they dropped down, they worshiped him. And then it says, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, this is the part I love, I am with you always to the end of age. Jesus ascends to heaven, and then all of a sudden he promises his spirit to be poured out. We go to Acts, the day of Pentecost is coming up, and his entire spirit's poured out, right? It's this beautiful thing that Jesus didn't just stop at the crucifixion at the table. He resurrected to bring us life. And let me just say, he's still resurrected today. He's no longer on a cross. He's no longer in a manger. He's alive. And I don't know about you, but over the last year, I've had some dreams die. I've had some discouragement. I've had some challenges. And, and it's not just about bringing souls back to life and making us new creatures. I believe he's bringing dreams back to life. I believe he's bringing disappointments back to life, health back to life, emotional health back to life. There's things that, that we've been affected by, not just last year, but maybe through our life, maybe trauma, maybe, maybe pain, maybe hurt, maybe abuse. God is bringing those things back to life because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. When he died and paid a price, he was broken so we could be whole in every area of our life. Let me read this last set of scriptures. John 6, 35 through 40. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. How many are thankful you're not being left out of a table today? You're not being excluded today. Jesus died for all of us. And it says, for I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all of those he has given me, but that I should raise them up on the last day. I'm thankful that I was one of those that he would not lose. I'm thankful that as deep as I was in the world, as deep as I was in sin, as deep as I was in hatred and serving myself and doing everything for me, I'm so thankful that he radically encountered me and invaded my life without my permission. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else has a story like that. I did not want God. But man, he wanted me. And let me just tell you that he wants you today too. He still wants you, all believers. You're not done. You're not done. There's a table. It's waiting for you. And let me just say this. He's also prepared a table for you and everybody around you, for you to gather others at that table. He's prepared a table even for those you disagree with. Sometimes that table might look like Facebook. Even those you disagree with, you might just have to be quiet on that one or love them or maybe invite them over for a meal and actually hear their heart. We're judging their outward appearance on Facebook. How about we listen to their heart because God judges the heart, not the outward appearance. Otherwise, avoid that table. Just some advice. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. God's highest purpose for the cross wasn't merely just to forgive sins. It was to welcome us into an eternal table called the kingdom of God, called his bride. It's a family, and we will live with him for eternity in heaven. Why don't you stand with me?
Jesus's blood was paid in full for us. He resurrected in full for us. He didn't leave anything behind. He didn't leave anything unsettled. And let me just say, the pain that we've went through the last year, he has experienced every bit of pain we could ever imagine. From cultural issues to rejection to abandonment to betrayal to physical abuse to crucifixion and death to people mocking him making fun of him betting on his life like he experienced everything in flesh as a human being for you and i there is nothing that we will not experience in life that he had already proved and became an example for well they said that about me this person talked about me yeah just remember what jesus did when he was talked bad about or, or put on a cross or mocked, forgive them for they know not what they do. It is finished. And let me just say this. Every bit of your sin, it's finished. Every bit of your shame, it's finished. Let, let me just touch on this just for one second. I'm doing good on time. I, I got two minutes to spare. <laughs> That's a rarity. Nicole's like, I prepare for 20 minutes, Okay. God not only forgives sin, he also frees us from shame. A lot of times, shame attaches itself to sin, and I'm passionate about this one. I speak about it often, because shame is what actually kept me longer than sin did. Because I could grasp my head around, and I could receive the forgiveness of sin, but then I still walked in shame like I didn't belong at the table, like I was an orphan. And a lot of times, sometimes it's not even shame that's attached to the sin you did. It's sin that was done to you, or through you, or around you. If somebody had been abused in certain ways, shame will attach itself to that person. And then a lot of times that is what the bondage is, that it wasn't even a sin they committed, it was a sin committed to them. Sometimes it's generational curses. Sometimes I have shame for others around me that I may feel responsible for. Now, let me just say this. Shame is a very, very powerful thing, but God's cross and his redemption and his resurrection is way more powerful than any shame we'll ever walk in. So sin will oftentimes get you to a place, but it's shame that oftentimes keeps you there. So Jesus' price in redemption and reconciliation and resurrection wasn't just for sin. It was also for shame and complete freedom in every area of our lives. That's what I want to pray today. And I want to just invite you into the greatest relationship on this planet. And I want to start there. So if you could just, just pray with me. Just just close your eyes. Just honestly, for the sake of privacy, we don't have to close our eyes to pray to God. He sees us anyway. But today, maybe you came in here and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you don't know this eternal Father that radically loves you, that loves you unconditionally, the agape, unconditional love of God. Maybe that's you. You've never said yes to Jesus or you've strayed away and you just need to come back to the Father. Maybe, maybe you've known him and you've walked away or maybe you've never known Jesus as Savior or Lord or Father. If you want to say yes today and you want to start this relationship, but listen, this is low commitment. You're just receiving the price he already paid for you. That's it. It's just your yes. He's already paid the price. His blood already covered you in full. So if you want to receive him today, and you're just like, man, I, I like this. I, I like this feeling. I, I might want to explore this. And we're not going to call you out up front. We're not going to do anything else. But if that's you, just, just will you raise your hand? If, if you want to recommit or commit your life to Jesus right now, just, just raise your hand. No one's looking. Just raise your hand. I see a couple hands going up. I'm going to give you a moment. 
you want to accept the price that Jesus paid for your wholeness, just raise your hand right now. Jesus, we thank you for salvation. And we're all just going to say this together. Jesus, we thank you for coming to the earth. We thank you for your mission on earth. We thank you for dying on a cross for us. Actually, make that personal. We thank you for dying on a cross for me. I ask for forgiveness right now. I ask that you forgive every mistake and bad choice I ever made. And I ask that you forgive me. And I ask you into my heart right now that I may live in eternity with you and that I may have abundant life here on earth. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for conquering death, hell, and the grave. Thank you for your resurrection in your life. And thank you for calling me to new life and resurrecting me from the dead with you. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name. Listen, if you said that prayer or, or you want to go further in that commitment, that's a beginning, that's a start, and it is the best decision you've ever made on your life this Easter service. It, will be, it's, it changes family trees. It changes legacies. It changes our entire DNA and our nature. If you made that choice, then we'd love for you to go to the info bar after church, or we'll have a prayer team up here in a moment. We'd love for you to get some prayer or some further information of what's next, what's that look like. We have baptisms coming up in a couple weeks. We would love to see you make a public commitment and make that known to the world and the church and come out anew. So we're going to do communion now. If you could uh, just gather cups. If you don't uh, have them, we're going to have some around. You should have got them when you walked in. But if you need communion items, just raise your hand. If you need a communion item, just raise your hand. I know I need one. If you're at home, you can take your cinnamon roll that you got from Amish country. Maybe your cup of coffee or whatever you have that's symbolic. In 1 Corinthians 10, 16 through 17, it says, When we bless the cup of the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And it says, And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one bread, showing that we are one body. And I talked about Luke 22, how he says, as often as you do this, do it and remember me. Corey did this beautiful communion on Friday, on Good Friday service, and it was awesome. And I liked what he did. You know, his body was broken for us so that we could be whole. So just break your wafer. I know sometimes those are tricky to get out. Just break your wafer. If you're at home and you got to cheese it or whatever, just break that or tear off a piece of bread. Just break that. And as you hold that broken piece, we're going to pray for that. Lord, we thank you for your body. We thank you that you were broken so we could be whole. We thank you, and we remember you. We remember the price you paid. We remember your body as you unite us as one body at your table. We thank you, Jesus. Just eat that and remember the Lord. Thank you for your life, Jesus.
Now the juice or whatever you have at home, the juice represents his blood. And his blood was shed for, for us. It was poured out for our cleansing, for our covering, and for covenant. So as we take this, you hold it, we'll pray for it. Lord, we thank you for your blood. You can just take that. We thank you for the power of your blood. We thank you for the cleansing of your blood. We thank you for your blood, Jesus. We remember you and the blood that you shed on Calvary. We bless you, Jesus. Before we dismiss, I have one more thing. In Isaiah 53, 5, it says this. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was, his, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes were healed. Let, let me just tell you that. Jesus, that. Let me just summarize that. Jesus paid it all for every issue we'll ever have. Emotional, physical, spiritual, any part of that is covered. He was beaten. He was broken so we could be whole. So we have a prayer team that's going to come up now. And if you need prayer for anything, or if you're online, please message us, email us, put something in the comments, and we'll get to your prayer need. But we're going to welcome up the prayer team right now. And, and if you need prayer for anything, any one of those, whether it's for transgression, iniquity, maybe you need peace, Maybe you gave your life to Jesus today or recommitted and you need to know what's next. We want you to come up. Or if you need healing in any way, healing in any way, we want to welcome you. But we love you so much. We're so thankful you're here. I do challenge you, if you don't come to church on a regular basis, find a good one or come back here Thank next you. Sunday. Jesus. We're going to have a party, okay? Why? Because Jesus is here. We always have a party when Jesus is here. Because in his presence is the fullness of what? Joy. Hey, be blessed coming and going. May you be the head and not the tail. May you be blessed in the city and the country, the lender, not the borrower. May you guys be blessed. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Be the light. Invite people to your tables. You are called to his table. You have commissioned with purpose. God loves you and he's alive. God bless you guys. Happy Easter. <laughs>